You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Good morning. It is October 10th. It is 10.10 and it is 8.03 a.m. in the morning. I guess 10.10 is half 2020, which of course, we all know what happened in 2020. So what happens in 10, if 2020 is, hindsight is 2020, I guess foresight is 10.10 or something like that. Um, I thought I would uh, do something different today. Uh, which is, I thought I would actually experiment a little bit with LinkedIn audio, but um, um, I forgot how to do it. Or maybe I've never done it before, uh, but I'm going to try. I want to start doing a little bit more B2B stuff in LinkedIn and move away from some of the other B2C type of platforms. But actually, the subject that I want to talk about today is something that I'm focusing a lot on right now, which is this concept of... Um, the entrepreneurial operating system, right? And uh, this is less about EOS, about the system that I'm actually coaching, uh, coaching business and leadership teams. And it's more just kind of like, because I I really love understanding stuff. I want to understand why. I want to understand how come. I want to stay, I want to understand. I just like, I like knowing. I like knowing. I can accept, but I like knowing. And so I started thinking about this idea of um, why every business needs an operating system. Like what is an operating system? And I I think that's an interesting beginning point, right? What is, (coughs) I've got a frog in my throat today and a scratch, I've got everything in my throat um, you know, what is an operating system uh, and why do we need it? So in many respects, um, you know, we could probably dive into the concept of human beings and what is an, and what is an operating system that powers the human in terms of core processes. Um, but I think the most important is we think of it in terms of machines, um, which is interesting, right? We think of inanimate objects. We think of an operating system, you know, as the backbone of any kind of computer or technology device, a cell phone, a server. Um, I saw this and I really like this idea. (coughs) Think of it as like a, a silent puppet master 
pulling the strings, orchestrating this seamless you know, interface or this connection between the hardware and the software. Um, we know that technically the operating system you know, manages system resources like the CPU, the memory, storage. Um, and then, of course, also, once you have those basic system resources taken care of and, you know, and, and working, then there is this, it coordinates the execution of programs or applications that can sit on top of a stable operating system. So in a way, like I think of, um, you know, I mean, I, it, it's easy um, it's easy to think of the operating system from, from an inanimate uh, standpoint. Um, how does this work for humans, by the way? Um, what, is, what is the human operating system? Now, think about it for a minute. Just, you know, reflect on it for just uh, a couple of seconds. Um, and, you know, we're, we're probably like creating a cake, if you will, this layered uh, recipe or cake. There's biology, there's psychology, there's philosophy. Um, we're not, the human operating system isn't coded in Python or C++, but rather in DNA, neurons, and this whole complex web of experiences, wisdom, you know, spoke about gut and intuition, social norms. Um, it seems like the human operating system is a lot more complicated or intricate than a, than a MacBook. And, um, you know, so when, when, we, when we think about this, um, you know, physiological, biological, but also psychological, <laughs> uh, philosophical, um, we see something that is... Um, Less maybe, probably, I'm thinking like, is it standardized? In a, in a sense, it's very dynamic. It has evolved over decades. Uh, it adapts. Um, it isn't, you know, it is as, di if, the, if a computer operating system is somewhat stable, we hope, um, and standardized, a human one is a, a lot more dynamic, I would think. I would think, um, but still there has to be an element of standardization because without it, the human operating system would collapse upon itself. Would you know when we think about also a crash, right? Let's talk about that for a moment. You know when a computer crashes, it can be a virus. I suppose humans and computers both are viruses, uh, but also a crash, uh, a system failure. Um, we see that biologically. You know we see that with with strokes, we see that with um, heart attacks, <clears throat> we see certain, you know, um, elements of the, of the core processing unit uh, failing, right? So there's definitely a, a lot of, um, I would say, similarities or connections or comparisons between a human operating system um, and a computer operating system. Um, but ultimately, what we need is some kind of um, rule book, maybe, or you know, style sheet, guidelines, playbook. Um, there's core. You know, we talk about this. Um, you know, core processes, 
processes because ultimately in order for something to work there's got to be there's got to be a, a basis um for for um a foundation and and then upon that solid foundation that solid ground there is the ability to grow there is the ability to maybe even adapt uh and evolve so i was thinking about that in con- in in context of a business why does a business need an operating system well we know computers do right we know that humans do um and a business is when last i checked run for the most part by humans <laughs> a business is run for the most part by humans and computers these days there is so much technology associated with business whether it's um automation whether it's productivity um it is you know very rare to find a business that is completely void of technology but but to find a business void of humans um is even more rare and so if humans have an operating system and computers have an operating system it stands to reason that a business should have an operating system if you look at um a business as a robust structure an organism of sort a machine it is for the most part built with all of these um these principles and practices and systems um there is a lot going on in a business and it's a and it's not necessarily standardized and it is fairly complex as well it just stands to reason that a business should also operate on some some kind of a system a set of defined processes and principles that guide functionality and direction business <clears throat> is simple and business uh and businesses are complex as well and so what we're trying to do is to create the same concept as we would in a machine or even a human streamlining operations um creating a roadmap or a pathway for consistency consistency of growth um of 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 evolution um but there's also this concept that says it actually revitalizes the very core of the entity you know when you clear memory when you when you have you know the the system itself is designed for the business not just to um you know survive or get by but how to ultimately maximize its ability you know its core processes you know if computer like what we're trying to do we're trying to get the maximum performance out of a whether it's a human or a computer why not think about it the same way with respect to business why are we not trying to create um the maximum potential um that a business has to offer um and that is obviously rhetorical because we are so obviously you know i am in a position now to coach and help implement eos the entrepreneurial operating system but it's not the only one um one thing that eos does say is that a business cannot operate on multiple operating systems you must choose one 
And I think that's, again, consistent with whether it's humans. Um, maybe humans are a little bit more uh, fluid or a little bit more um, capable. But, you know, I, I remember back in the day, do you remember back in the day, um, do you remember back in the day there was, um, you know, with with Mac you could um, you could operate on Windows, you could um, you could have like what was it called, uh, parallel para, parallels or something like that, or you had the ability to actually mirror or something like that. You could actually like cheat in a way and still run Windows within Mac. Uh, But it didn't really work, did it? It wasn't, I mean, if it did work, we'd still do it. What we ended up having is, you know, the uh, Microsoft operating system, you know, Office, if you will, ended up creating Office for Mac. Um, So it was a way of adapting. But to actually have an operating system within an operating system, you know, you just, your gut is just going to tell you that it's not efficient. Your gut is just going to tell you that that's just going to slow down and tax the overall system and tax the overall memory. So what we really are talking about ultimately when we talk about an operating system is um, this consistent set of practices, whether it's like the backbone of a living organism or you know, or a computer, but holding everything together, you know, orchestrating, integrating all the moving parts, creating uh, efficiency from inefficiency, creating order from cost, um, of minimizing wasted time, saving time, um, you know, creating energy, right? We, we say that EOS is a system for orchestrating and harmonizing human energy. And that's really what we're trying to do. Ultimately, by creating a system or implementing an operating system, what we are doing is creating, um, we are actualizing, we are maximizing our potential. And um, and I think just, you know, I've, I've got about um, 15 points, up to 15 points, things that are I would say fairly obvious, um, but in context of why you need an operating system, what an operating system will bring to the table, things that allow us to talk about culture and talent and, uh, and conflict and a lot of human aspects and a lot of you know, machine aspects as well. But I think the, <clears throat> the best way to answer the question, why does... You know, why does a business need an operating system is to actually try and maybe instead of proving the positive is to refute the negative. Meaning to say, um, what does a business look like without an operating system? And the answer is chaos. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a serial entrepreneur of sorts. I've run two businesses. And I can tell you, that both of my businesses absolutely did not run on any operating system. In fact, you know, if I'm being a little self-deprecating, I would say the only running was running the business into the ground for the most part. 
when we think about um, status meetings, we all, we all seem to believe or know that we need to hold status meetings because that's what you do. Now, how do we know this? Um, we know this because we've probably been in businesses before. Whether we were interning or junior or, you know, as we've gone through our career, or maybe you are junior now, and there's a status meeting. And the status meeting, you know, there are probably multiple ones. There's departmental ones and there's all hands ones and there's, you know, one at the beginning of the week. And um, they operate for the most part um, at, you know, the same time, but then they change because people have conflicts. So they don't really start on time or they don't really start same day, same time, on time. And there isn't really an, an agenda even in a status meeting other than let's take out the status sheet, right? We all have a status document. And we just go down the status document. And we just seem to be checking in on things. But we don't necessarily move the chains. We don't necessarily move the ball forward. You know, there isn't a purpose, there isn't an agenda other than getting through the status sheet. There isn't really um, an objective other than just FYI, this is what's going on. And maybe we might just kind of call out someone by going, you know, hey, why is this not happening? But we don't really resolve or get to a point of saying, let's put a plan in place. You know, obviously I'm seeing this come to fruition with EOS, where 60 of the 90 minutes of what's called an L10 meeting are focused on actually, you know, solving problems, solving, raising, solving issues with an objective that they go away forever. That's a different kind of status meeting. That's a meeting that is now operating, in this case, on the principles and practices of an operating system. The principles and practices of this operating system are designed to get stuff done, are designed to employ the principle of less is more, you know, are designed to create this um, three, this trifecta of vision, traction, healthy. Getting everyone aligned around a common, you know, vision, a clear, concise, common, compelling vision of where the business is going and how to get the business there. Instilling a sense of discipline and accountability around executing that vision and finally creating team health and team cohesion ensuring that everyone is on the same page in the same boat rowing in the same direction in order to get it done in order to to break through the ceiling in order to grow in order to get what you want from the business whatever that may be tangible intangible monetary or non-monetary a system, a, a set of rules that don't stifle creativity but actually enhance it. So for me, when I look back, I see this concept of chaos. I see us as entrepreneurs just essentially kind of saying, well, we're going to run the business based on, you know, based on nothing more than, well, when I say nothing more, based on what? Based on um, how I've experienced business in the past for the most part, some of it worked, some of it didn't work. 
but I really have no benchmark based on is there a better approach? I don't know. But this is always how I've done a, a conference report or a, or a status meeting or a performance review. This is how it's done so, or how I've always done it or how I've always I've been told. You know, bucket two, I've read many books. I've read this gurus and that gurus and this, you know, expert and, and, and completed this workshop, workshop and done this certification program, maybe, maybe. So I've gone out and, and I've tried to, you know, just get bits and pieces and scraps and, and um, you know, little things from, from everywhere that, that seem to be interesting. So let me try this and let me try that and let me, you know. To me, I think of, um, I think of the idea of, and I'm just thinking about, you know, thinking out loud about this. It's like, I don't know, it's like putting non-official parts of, you know, in your car, right? You have a, um, I don't know, you have a Porsche, but you're putting non-Porsche equipment or spark plugs or, you know, or engine, engine items. Does the thing work? Sure. Does it work as well? Maybe, maybe not. Um, So, you're just pulling different things from different places in a way. It's almost like maybe a maybe a different model is is I would call it the Frankenstein effect. There you go. That's a name for today's uh, for today's collective cafe. We're building the we're building the monster. Well, I mean, we hope it doesn't become one. That's what it does become. But we're building this reanimation by just pulling from different sources and different places and hoping it all comes together in a very, you know, beautiful, neat bow, but it doesn't. It creates a monster. So that's another technique, right? One is we pull from our experiences. Two is we pull from all these books and and resources. Um, And three, maybe, is we bring in a slew of consultants and um and experts and each one of them i suppose comes in with their own technique and their own approach etc themselves having pulled those from their own experiences their clients experiences various books various programs various workshops various courses various can you know um cohorts <clears throat> and so you have a different dynamic you know, for me, I it is it is so hard to be an entrepreneur. It is just so hard to be an entrepreneur. Nobody tells you how to entrepreneur. Nobody tells you how it's done. You just kind of make it up as you go along. You you follow your gut, you use your intuition, you you know, do what you believe is the right way. But it is complex. You know, when I think about EOS and I think about these six key um, components, vision, people, data, issues, process, and traction, any one of them, how on earth would an entrepreneur know how to um, be great at just pick anyone and be able to, you know, some of them are more left brain, some of them are more right brain. Um, 
managing complex human beings and relationships and conflict and it's so hard and there's no unified theory here there or there's no you know um quite frankly you know international dialing code if you will if you're thinking of if you're thinking of um like one and i don't i don't i don't want to say one size fits all but think of the concept of like a, a universal dial tone or you know or a cipher or you know or a key or a babelfish is there is there um is there one way that actually can you know maybe it's a common language or you know one way that like when two people come together at least is it sign language you know is it is it english is it something that for the most part is it windows or is it you know ios or is it a mac operating system is it at&t or is it verizon is there one of two or one of three or one of one or one of four one of five as opposed to the again the tower of babel that we went from you know the biblical story i guess of one common language and dialect and and dial tone and operating system in a way and almost punished for it by just scattering fragmenting proliferating and getting to a point where we actually can't talk to one another feels like that is the world we live in today a world of chaos where we struggle hell you know in the american political landscape we can't even do it with two parties and two different operating systems or two different philosophies or two different approaches even though we are faced with a reality sometimes of existential crises that are so much bigger i think it's important to make a note of the fact that what happened what's happening in israel right now the country was in domestic you know chaos for the last year with this whole judicial system overhaul that tore the company the country apart the religious and the secular and yet over the last 48 to 72 hours you now have a have an entire country um that through chaos and through tragedy and through this unspeakable um reality is now whether they like it or not united they don't have a choice so even in a system of two you and a business partner a husband and a wife there can be absolute chaos and if that is true then can you imagine how difficult it must be to run a business with hundreds of employees with a leadership team of 5 6 7 8 9 people with two or three business partners themselves influenced by direct reports by external mentors and coaches by their spouses this is why you need an operating system there's got to be 
a method to the madness. Otherwise, there is just operating in extreme chaos. And the reality, the reality is, is that success is not because of, but in spite of. Your success is in spite of you, not because of you. With all the odds stacked against you, with all of the unknowns and the uncertainties and the instabilities, somehow you found a way to win. And that is great, make no mistake. But can you imagine how much better it would have been? Can you imagine how much more you could have achieved? Can you imagine how much less you might have suffered or sacrificed or had to give up in order to get there? You might have gotten over the line, but at what price? So what I'd like to do in the remaining time we have today is just talk about, I've got, I've documented about 15 reasons why a business needs an operating system. And I'll try and get through them, all of them if I can. Well, the first is a vision vehicle. A robust operating system has the ability to kind of, you know, uh, to, to me it's like, I think, by the way, you know, if each one of these was, a, was, was an analogy um, of, a, of the human body, you know, would vision, would vision be heart? Would vision be brain? Would vision be soul? Um, each one, in a way, has um, an element, a, a, a parallel to the human body. Um, I should actually try that. Let me see if I can even, that'd be kind of interesting. Let me see if I can, if I can, um, if I can do that quickly. I'm going to go and actually ask ChatGPT this. What is the uh, parallel or analogy um, of each one of these to a part of the human body? I'm very curious. All right, let's see. Sometimes it's kind of great to to make it up yourself. All right. I mean, I would think, you know, for me, vision is probably, um, well, here we go. Think of it as the brain's frontal lobe where decision-making, planning, and goal-setting takes place. It's the part of you that strategizes and, okay, this is awesome. I love this. Let's go back. We'll go back to it afterwards. This is cool. This is building all the time. So the idea of, you know, being able to now integrate your vision into the actual day-to-day, this is about, in a way, you know, setting the path, the roadmap, um, where the business is going and how to get, get the business there. Unifying the team, making sure everyone is moving in the same direction. Right, Turning your vision from a poster on the wall, I have a dream, into reality. The second is culture carriage. And this also speaks to talent. Company culture is actually carried through 
you know, the veins. I mean, it is, it is in many respects, you would think of it, I would think of it as, as kind of the blood that flows through the, the whole system. It makes or breaks the business. But if there is an organ, you know, I think we all know what that organ would be. That organ, without question, would be the heart. This is the heart, your culture, your talent is the heart of the whole system. All right, uh, let's let's keep moving. I, I kind of like this. I think this is this is uh, this is a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Um, maybe number three, and and also, um, uh, well, yeah, let's go number three. Um, and and just to you know add, by the way, I just want to combine. Um, you know, I actually said that that I, I'm trying to think about a culture. Would we actually combine that with talent? Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think it's it's important to kind of recognize um, that, you know, it's, I mean, who lives your culture, right? Who, who embodies your, it's, it's your talent, it's your people. Um, the next one is your structural backbone, right? So an operating system gives you this, this backbone, this wireframe, this, you know, hopefully stability as well. Um, when you are implementing standardized practices and procedures, um, it is actually creating, I like to think of it as, you know, we'll talk about the word, I love the word uh, framework. Um, it's a different kind, it's a, it's a str- um, structural framework, but in creating this structural framework or backbone, you actually create not something that stifles creativity, but actually um, allows it to flourish because it removes chaos from the system. You know, it doesn't matter how um, constricted the framework is, as long as you can operate liberally inside it. I've always said that. You've heard me say that many times. I don't care how narrow or constricting the framework is or the rules are that I have to operate, as long as you allow me to operate freely and, and flexibly and liberally inside. So, you know... If you tell me what the rules are, then I'm, at least I know what the, the, the perimeter, what, the, what, the, what the, um, the guidelines and guardrails look like. So clearly, when we talk about a structural you know, backbone, I mean, there can only be one part of the body, which is, which is the spine. No question, right? Um, next is um, a resource allocator. Businesses have finite resources. And this operating system can at least allow you to figure out where to allocate these resources, capital, labor, time, um, you know, with, with an overall objective, whether we call it ROI or profitability or, or growth or these KPIs, whether they're revenue, profit, or, you know, something else. Um, we take the guesswork out of the business. And, um, you know, again, think of the CPU. Think about the human. We have limited resources. When we get on the bike, you know, hopefully we've got our Gatorade and our, you know, electrolytes and our, you know, I don't know, cliff bar. We have limited energy. We have limited resources. We completely. So how do we allocate? How do we, you know, whether we're running a race, how do we ensure that we time everything perfectly, that we allocate everything perfectly? And so going back to this analogy, um, 
this one could be seen as as the liver, right? A master of resource allocation, detox detoxification, and energy storage. The liver the liver prioritizes what the body needs and when it needs it. And we don't want liver poisoning, do we? So I can keep going on that analogy. Um, the next one is process optimization. So, you know, we, we want to, less is more, right? We want to fine tune, you know, fewer moving parts, right? Or making sure that the main moving parts are the ones that we are the most efficient at executing. That there is less ambiguity, less confusion, um, you know, that, that everything, the things, the most important things that we need in order to function um, accurately and efficiently are in, you know, prime condition and working order. And so this could be seen as the nervous system conducting impulses between the brain and the rest of the body for coordinated, efficient action. So in a way, you know, walking, talking, uh, breathing, you know, again, just like a business has core processes, sales, marketing, a couple of operations, uh, accounting, uh, human resources, customer experience, well, the human body has a certain number as well of core processes, and they have to be coordinated from these electrical pulses that ensure that, you know, when we say one foot in front of the other, what results is walk and then jog and then run and then sprint and then win the race at the end of the day. So let's keep moving. Number uh, number the next, <laughs> I suppose, um, is scalability scaffold. A well-designed operating system acts as a scaffolding for scalability, ensuring that when you grow and expand, you don't dilute the core business essence. You don't also lose focus, get off track. You know, the breakdowns, remember that quote I always use, at scale, cracks become chasms. Ultimately, I once know someone who wrote a book called Built to Suck. <laughs> let's, see how, let's see how big we get before we go bad. Let's see how big we get before we suck. And this is, in a way, the analogy is the skeletal system, a foundational framework that allows for growth and adaptation without losing integrity. You know, maybe in some cases you need growth hormones um, or eat your veggies. Um, but either way, what we're trying to do here is, is grow and grow smartly and grow in proportion and be able to kind of sometimes grow into ourselves. So I think, you know, scalability is key. Otherwise, you know, a business that cannot scale is a business that cannot grow. And look, if you're happy for your business to be a mom and pop and, and just, you know, every single, you know, if it's a lifestyle business, if it's a business where you're happy just to stay the way you are, that's fine. But for the most part, every other business is looking to be able to adapt, evolve, and grow. 
Now, when we talk about process, um, scalability is, is one of them. But the other point is consistency, a consistency creator. You know, consistency, rinse and repeat, isn't boring. It's actually crucial for building trust. Uniformity, standardization. Um, if, if you went to a McDonald's or a Starbucks and you got a very different product every time, you would not be happy as a customer. And you would not be happy as an employee either. If one day you operated one way and another day you operated another day. You're certainly not going to get to any element of, of profitability and productivity if there is inconsistency. And you're definitely not going to scale either. So when we talk about a consistency creator, the analogy here is your DNA. Actually, the biological instructions that ensure consistent growth and function through the body. So this is the, the actual genetic coding that says this is the way we do business. This is the way you do business. This is how you are programmed ultimately to operate. Well, the next one is performance metrics. When you have an operating system, a system that, that functions on discipline and accountability, you are very, very clear about, you know, especially if you're trying to figure out where you're going and how to get it there, that you have benchmarks, you have milestones, you have goals, objectives that are objective, that are clear, that are unambiguous in terms of success, in terms of stretch, in terms of being able to benchmark uh, performance and and improvement and growth. So the analogy here is the hormonal or endocrine system sending feedback loops to regulate to regulate bodily functions and keep everything in homeostasis. We're getting real technical here, aren't we? This is fascinating. I love this. All right, number. The next, I think, nine or 10 or 11, I'm not even sure, a framework for decisions. The, this is the playbook. The operating system is the ultimate guide that ensures that whatever you do is consistent with you know, your, uh, in EOS terms, um, a document called the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, your core objectives and your core values, your core focus, your 10-year target. You know, you have, this is the, I like to think of it as a code. I always talk about, you know, Dexter the serial killer, the good serial killer. You have a basis now to be able to figure out what to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, how much to do it. It's one of the, the core elements of some kind of, uh, of foundation. And this would be, the prefrontal cortex, an area crucial for complex planning, decision-making, and moderating social behavior. So I think what you see here as well is it is, in fact, we're talking about a framework. So it's not binary. It's not machine 
You know, it's human learning, not machine learning, right? It is the ability to be able to figure out, in, in uh, EOS terms, this would be called IDS, the issue-solving track. Identify, discuss, and solve. You have a framework for how to do business and how to make decisions and how to make those decisions in a, in a decidedly apolitical way, means, mechanism. All right, number the next, conflict resolver. You know, we talk about in EOS, vision, traction, healthy, but the reality is, is that most teams are not super healthy or need to work on that health. It's not, you know, they say you can never take your health for granted. There's always going to be conflict. Conflict is inevitable, I suppose. How you deal with it is not inevitable, it's evitable. Is that even a word? You need, though, a conflict resolution mechanism to solve internal disputes. You need some kind of a rubric. You need some kind of the ability to determine if you have the right person in the right seat. You want to make sure, though, that when you are dealing with conflict, you can solve it objectively, objectively quickly, fairly, Preserving the energy, remember? And so this would be the amygdala, the part of your brain responsible for emotions, survival instincts, and notably conflict resolution. I love how the brain has been dissected here. And it's clear that, and I'm going to come back to this because there's something I'm picking up here, and I, I wonder if you're picking up on it too, when we actually start to look and cluster and see how this all um, how this all kind of comes together. The next one is time saver. So implementing an operating system with sometimes automated process and processes and streamlining these processes and predefined workflows, what this is doing is is significant, significantly reducing administrative overhead. So we are talking about liberating mundane tasks. We are allowing you know employees, executives to focus on bigger thinking and bigger picture. But we're saving time in general. I mean, this is one of the 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 key aspects of this brilliant concept of the L ten meeting. Anecdotally, this can save you five to eight hours a week when you just actually create more structure and more discipline around how you make decisions, how you communicate, how you update one another, and how you solve problems. So the time saver is the cerebellum, which automates and optimizes movements. You are, you know, you practice repeatedly. You know, it almost becomes rote. Sometimes doing things without thinking, you need that as well. You need to actually get into, you know, you can't, it cannot be Groundhog Day. You cannot be starting from scratch every day. This also speaks to process. It speaks to the fact that you've got to become, we have so much, uh, we have limited time, limited energy, limited resources. We have to make the most of it at all times. Otherwise, we will Burn out. And that's the next one, emotional resilience. When you hit the ceiling, 
when you have conflict. Stress and burnout are real. We're operating, we're seeing it now more than ever before in this post-COVID, in this you know, new reality, in this new normal. But how much of it is self-inflicted? How much of it is, is what would be called a forced error? How much of it is sabotage or even self-sabotage? How much of this is from operational chaos? How much better would we be if we could bring clarity and direction and, and just in general just foster a more productive and emotionally healthy workplace? So the analogy here is this can be equated with the body's endorphin system. So helping you manage stress and experience feelings of well-being. And as I'm learning as well, there's, you know, there's, um, you know, there's so much. There's endorphin and there's serotonin and there's melatonin and there's um, cortisol and there's, you know, dopamine. There's a lot of stuff going on here um, that we've got to be able to figure out how to manage. Well, the last two are innovation, an innovation incubator. So you might think that routine can stifle uh, creativity, but an effective operating system is freeing up this operational, even emotional, spiritual bandwidth and actually allowing you, freeing up your time, giving you more energy to focus on, on difference makers. And here your analogy is the right hemisphere of your brain. So left brain, right brain, right? We're introducing all of this amazing discipline and accountability and processes and structure and frameworks, which, you might, which is left brain, left hemisphere-esque. But what it's doing as well is freeing up. It's actually not competing with or fighting against or nullifying the right hemisphere. It is liberating it. It is empowering it. It is enabling it. It is partnering with it. This is, you know, the element of your brain that we think about, you know, that's responsible for spatial abilities, face recognition, processing music, the hub of creativity. We need both. And one of the things that EOS says is vision without traction is hallucination. You need both. We cannot have a lopsided operating system. We need a balanced operating system. And finally, Knowledge Keeper, the, the operating system archives all of this knowledge, which makes it essential for training ongoing operational integrity continuity. The hippocampus, crucial for memory and learning, fits the bill here, your built-in database. We're learning constantly, we're adapting, we're evolving But if we are in the business of harnessing and orchestrating human energy, then we have to become so much better at not wasting it and having to start again every single time. So this isn't just about survival. This is about thriving, thrival as I would call it. We are turning the wheels of innovation while keeping the essence of the company intact. Obviously, you know, my system, I mean, my, the system that I implement is 
the entrepreneurial operating system that on so many levels incorporates so many of these things, not everything that I've just inc- that I've shared with you today, but that's where the applications come in. That's the beauty of it. You have foundational tools, core processes, and that allows you then to adapt, to build, to customize, to personalize, to differentiate, which ultimately is what makes one business different from the next. Certainly when EOS is implemented within an organization, uh, this is a quote, it's like watching a flower bloom in fast forward. It's profa- the transformation is profound and invigorating. So, to summarize, can a business operate without an operating system? Sure. In the same way a fish can survive out of water, briefly and under extreme stress. You need an operating system. For all of these reasons, it's not meant to stifle or stymie or be, you know, bureaucratic. It is a playbook in the game of business. And it is a game. So why not actually get in the game, right? Don't be on the sidelines. Don't be a spectator. I mean, that in a way is the coach's goal is to be on the sidelines. But if you're the entrepreneur, you got to get in the game. And it helps when you have fun. I just want to wind down with a few key quotes. Um, This is one that actually we use when we're um, instituting, when we're actually training our very first um, focus day. It's by uh, philosopher and logician, um, Kurt Godel. He says, you can't be in a system while at the same time understanding the system you're in. So that's why it's so important to be able to actually step out from time to time from operating in the business to operating on the business. And the operating system, EOS in this particular case, is designed to do that at least on a weekly basis, if not more, at least on a weekly basis. I also just uh, found a few quotes that I absolutely loved. Um, One of them is actually a quote, again, we use in our training, what gets measured gets managed. Uh, But these are three that I thought were great, and they're just like a variety of different ones from a creative standpoint. Uh, Winston Churchill said, however beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. And and it also makes me think of the other one, which is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, This is a a beautiful one from W. Edwards Deming. If you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, obviously, I love that quote um, because um, it, 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 you know, the play on words, right? You actually don't know what you're doing, but also you don't know what you're doing. Like you're an idiot, you're an imbecile. And then the last one um, is Dwight D. Eisenhower. In preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. So that balance uh, between rigidity and fluidity, that ability to you know, find the mix between the foundational 
tools, the, the core processes that power, that switch the computer on, that switch the human on or keep the human um, functioning, that gets the human out of bed, that allows the human to get into the office. But now that the human is staring at the computer or the computer has been switched on, now what? I can create this magnificent piece of software called Word, a word processor, but that doesn't mean that the next great American novel is going to be written anytime soon. I can create this beautiful thing called a spreadsheet, even call it Excel or Google Sheets, but that does not mean that a magnificently healthy, robust P&L is going to materialize overnight. I can create this beautiful device called PowerPoint, but that doesn't mean that anytime soon anyone is going to be able to raise money based on a pitch and a presentation. And I can create this beautiful machine or this piece of functionality called a database that doesn't mean that it's going to be filled anytime soon with customers that love you, that buy you, that are with you for life. That to me is the difference between the planning and the plan. You can only get so far, but then, you know, the operating system gets you into the game, gets you to the plate. But then everything that you've, everything that that has brought you there with all your skills, without your with all your imperfections and your humanity and your creativity, that's what determines what you do next. And isn't it better, doesn't it make more sense that when you have that at bat, that moment, that you have the best possible opportunity in the world to succeed and to win. You have all your energy, all your potential, all your hope, all your dreams, all your skill at your disposal. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.